Logical Progression, Year 3, Lesson 7. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa al-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen, wa la'idwana illa ala al-zalimeen, wa salamatullahi wa salamuhu wa la'ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altu sahla, wa anta tajlul hazna idha shaka sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika, wa husni ibadatik ya rabbil kareem, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, hiyyakumullah, it's obviously very um, nice feeling to be part of the Baraka um, for those that hopefully uh, witnessed it online. Shaz, it was all hooked up. Yeah, it was very good, mashallah. I hope that people joined in in the dua. The dua of Khatmi al Quran is a Mubarak uh, event, it is the action of some of a few of the companions and a number of the Tabi'een. The action specifically of Anas ibn Malik, he would gather his family when they would complete the Qur'an. Specifically, we're talking about in the prayer and some narrations also outside of the prayer. And likewise, the dua also. Some said inside the prayer and majority said outside of the prayer. And especially in the madhab of Imam Ahmed, this is something which is a recommended act. I want you guys to know that um, this is something which is a basic principle in Sharia as well. The system of Sharia is a very simple system. Uh, the system of ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have a very generous Lord who gives without any restriction and we request from Him even more continuously, way beyond what we should. And frankly, anyone from the human realm uh, that understands the concept of give and take recognizes that normally when you ask for something, you give in return you pay its price um, this is a basic kind of principle and of course to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the supreme and perfect example not one of humans but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be praised first should be thanked first unreservedly and unrestrictedly before one should request things from him subhanahu wa ta'ala people who understand the deen and understand the Quran will recognize this pattern throughout it People who understand Surah Al-Fatiha will recognize this concept. In fact, the actual meaning of Surah Al-Fatiha, the essence of Al-Fatiha, explains this principle. It is to you alone that we worship, we give forward, we put everything to you, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. Now we ask you alone for help. It's you now who we ask. So we put forward. And actually all of the beginning is like that. Alhamdulillah, Rahim, Malik, yeah. You know, everything. And, it, and when you study the hadith in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Abu Huraira, which is mind-blowing, of course, the hadith which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hadith Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recounts the conversation that happens every single time that every single one of us recites Surah Al-Fatiha. And every time we say Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala boasts to the angels, did you see yani, my, my servant, Abdi? Did you see my servant, my worshipping servant? He praised me. Majjadani Abdi, he just now exalted me. He, and so on and so forth. So you can feel through the conversation, the system of Islam actually working. We praise him, Subhana, he happily gives. We don't praise him, he will continue to happily give 
but then you will have to then be ready for accountability and that of course what will happen to the kuffar because kuffar is ungratefulness it's yani it is the exact opposite of shukr so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to give to the kuffar as well and sometimes to increase their punishment he gives them more and sometimes when he really wants to increase the punishment he gives them not just more but success and power and the belief and the reinforcement of the belief that they don't need him this is the greatest curse that anyone can ever have where you are reinforced in your belief in your creed in your understanding of life that everything is going great and is getting better and it has nothing to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more than willing to continue that narrative and he will continue to give and continue to give and continue to give until they dig, dig themselves such a deep hole that their souls are steeped in kufr Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and what will happen what will happen their souls will be wrenched from their bodies and they will be kafirun why does why this verb yani to show that it will be pulled out not even an opportunity to say oh actually you know what this is not due to me or due to something else this is actually due to Allah but no you spent your entire life in this kind of system being ungrateful well there you go taken out they the worst calamity ever die upon kufr and the story so the giving of shukr and hamd and madh and praising and thanking and, and extolling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be the habit and then we should feel proud and happy and comfortable asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what we wish and this is a basic principle in sharia and in our deen in many many aspects and you'll find many of the salaf that's why they liked they liked even though we don't have specific hadith from the prophet that he was always making dua after salah but you see it's an action of the muslims right every country every culture every ethnic minority that you can think of every ethnic background i should say uh, that you can think of from the muslim lands throughout the last 13 hundred years as it spread throughout okay and not just yani, in the Arabian Peninsula but throughout the world you've seen the the act of dua synonymous with after the prayer okay there is a general understanding that we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is it's now we take back and so um, as I said even though that's not a sunnah of the Prophet to do it upon a continual nature and especially to do it in a congregational nature which can then actually enter into the realm of bid'ah if a person believes that they must make congregational dua after every single prayer of course though when one does not believe this and does not institutionalize this then the occasional congregational dua like the prophet used to make is a permissible act and to do it after the prayer is a permissible and indeed a recommended act and in fact as i said many of the companions many of the salaf they would they would consider the prayer which it is the highest act of worship and therefore after you've given that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is a a a uh, uh, natural time to ask him subhanahu wa ta'ala as well and so therefore when we see something put forward to Allah not just the prayer but the the Quran the Quran is there's even a discussion and this is weak from an Islamic point of view but amongst the ulama this is a practice that we would read hadith for barakah so we would complete for example the recital of Sahil bukhari for example to revive the hadith in our hearts and so on and hope by that act of blessed act that purificatory act of imbibing hadith into our bodies that we feel more yani becoming to ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something it's like a purification almost so what do you think then of the Quran which is legislated to read and to complete and to do so regularly and so therefore this is a, a advice to myself and everyone else to increase in the reading of the Quran and its completion 
Remember, there are different readings of the Quran. There is your long-term study of the Quran, where you where you read it with tafsir and you take it easy. There's your nice reading of the Quran, which is a regular, everyday, daily wird, which is separate, separate to the study. Study could take you years and years and years and years. Okay, you're following it with the video, you're reading some notes with it, you're reading English, English tafsir. Your second is, as I said, it's a daily reading, which is nice and quality and a reflective one, a reflective one. It's a quicker than the first category, but it's not as quick as the third category, which is a pure barakah reading. You're knocking through it, literally, at pace, hadran. Okay, you're reciting it like you're reciting salah. And that is purely for the barakah and the reward. And this is something which the Salaf used to do in their prayer. The companions used to complete it in the nights, within seven nights, four nights, and so on and so forth. Okay, they would go read that in the prayer and outside of the prayer, of course, is good as well. These are three types of reading of the Quran. And you will have more dua, of course, with the first type and a more emotional one with the, uh, with, the, with the third type. And the first one, of course, which is a very significant reading, you would feel in even a better position to make dua. So what you saw there was an act which we believe to be recommended and something which is blessed. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar. It's a wonderful sunnah that he has established a system where in this masjid we are blessed that he finishes the Quran every six months during the salah. And it's a benefit for the people who are listening, for the people who are memorizing, um, and a reminder for everyone in terms of verses that they don't hear. Because you know the reality, most masajid, they hang around somewhere, you know, at the end of Juz Amma somewhere, and maybe a little bit of a place somewhere else in Fajr time, or just stick safe. And that's the way that the year goes. Generally, for most of us, actually, forget about most masajid. So this is a, it's not easy. Well, Allah is not easy. It is so difficult to be able to every single day read new uh, Quran, and it's a blessing. And we should uh, thank uh, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar for making dua for him. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept the dua that we made, because obviously there was a, a number of poignant points that he made in the dua. Um, especially in light of current affairs. So, Zakmullah Khair. So, okay, so a few points then. Um, we will obviously have uh, a conclusion to this set of notes. Uh, I also have some stuff here as well, mashallah, on this mashallah device. Uh, right, okay, so now uh, what I wanted to do is what was the exact last point that we finished on? We did quite a bit last week, isn't it? Point number five. Point five. Done five. Let's have a read, Shaz. What's going on? Okay, so from the uh, things which invalidate the wudu, we then did. I'm not reading that number four again. What a mission that is. Gusum, look at that. It's got the H word, which I'm thoroughly sick of. Right, so number five. Is a male touching a woman or her touching him because of, of desire? Okay. And a reminder, of course, is that this is the humbly position. Yes. And, and we mentioned last week in detail. I think it was good class last week. We went uh, discussed a number of evidences and also positions of the other ulama. The interesting point, of course, for our benefit is that Shaykh Al-Uthameen, alayhi rahmatullah, his opinion is? That one? Doesn't break wudu at all. Okay, it doesn't break wudu at all, and that is the class position, yes or no? Yes, we said that. Yeah, that's the class position, whilst recognizing that the humbly position is with desire. And as we said before, 
the uh, also someone asked last week and I, I wanted to make sure that people understood that point that when we say desire we are talking just like the concept of the sleep in that it's not actually desire itself which breaks wudu but rather what could potentially be happening and you don't realize while someone is in a state of sexual excitement in uh, uh, heightened sexuality or heightened state of sexual ex excitedness or whatever you want to call it and that reality which can't be controlled is basically the problem just like for example the passing of wind when a person is asleep yes we say it's madhinatul hadith it's where it happens and it's probable that it's going to happen and that's important to understand and of course Shaykh Thameen is not, not having that at all so if we did that um, then number six then would be um, I can't read it Shazman lift up the thing Right, okay. Uh, so a male touching a woman or her touching him because of the desire. So I just wanted to, there was something here. Why, why is, why can't I find that? Yes, okay. It's, it's something which is coming later. That's why I was confused. Okay, then. So number six, then, is uh, the touching of the anus. Okay? Okay? The halqa, the literally translated, you know, if we're going to get a graphic about this, is the ring, okay, of the of the anus. But basically, talking about the anus, okay? And, in fact, actually, Sheikh Uthameen says it doesn't really need to be so specified. There was no need to actually say the you know the anus in such a detailed point he goes because actually this comes under the general statement of al-faraj we talked about that last week isn't it that the word faraj refers to the private parts and just knowing that is sufficient private parts covers the back and the front okay so uh so so basically Sheikh Thameen is saying that if he had said masul faraj we would understood the front we would understood the back but he didn't say Masul Faraj, and so he had to then specify the front, and then he had to specify the back. Um, it is narrated, Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, he narrated from the hadith of Abu Huraira that the Prophet ﷺ said, Man Whoever touches, or, uh, yeah, touches his Faraj, then let him make wudu. Faraj here, of course, private parts. And this, of course, a dubur is the Faraj. Uh, because it is it is something which comes from uh, inside meaning that there is an orifice that comes from the outside and all the stuff which comes out of it which comes out of it this is what Sheikh Thameen uh, says so he says and he so he goes that uh, with respect to the rulings concerning touching the anus it's exactly the same as the as the uh, penis for example so with respect to the uh, uh, covering with respect to the desire and so on and so forth Sheikh Uthameen says that the same principle apl uh, applies Sheikh Uthameen says there is, there is a benefit to take from the specific nature of saying the anus because he says if someone was to touch close to it, such as, I love how he says this, the, the bum cheeks. <laughs> what a lovely word. Yani the, 
Is there an... What they call it? Buttocks? What's the actual technical term for that, uh, Zafar? Buttocks. The gluteus maximus. <laughs> what a phrase. I'll give you one good kick in your gluteus maximus, my dad used to say. Yeah? So, but that's the muscle. That's not good enough, right? That's not good, no. What kind of doctor are you, Zafar? Unbelievable. Buttocks, yeah? So the other phrase is not acceptable socially, yani? Cheeks of the bee? No? Is, is B-U-M, by the way, a swear word? It's not, is it? Beach bum. Yeah. He's a lazy bum. It's not a problem, is it? I don't want to get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? Like you care about getting in trouble. <laughs> Well, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> you know, especially today, yani, I could get in so much trouble today, and I'm worried about the word bum. Well, like, honestly, today is really, really trouble day. We have to do some serious navigating, Bobs. Okay, it's like careful with the language and. I don't mean this and live in a country like that. So I'm just giving you a heads up, yeah? So, uh, and he likewise says that thighs, for example, and uh, other areas which are close, everything which is close and surrounding the anus is not a problem. It's only the anus itself, which is what breaks the wudu because of the hadith of the faraj. Private parts really only refer to the specific area itself. Then, um, it says, this is not the case if one touches hair, fingernails, a pubescent boy, or uses a barrier. Did I say? I don't know what's happening. A barrier, or if one's body is touched with sexual desire. La masa sha'arin. Okay, i.e. the wudu is not broken if a person touches, uh, even with desire, touches the hair of a woman. Okay, touches the hair of a woman. So it says, for example, Sheikh Uthameen, he you know, such a dude, man. He goes, imagine a woman, a man, he touches the hair of a woman with desire and nothing comes out from him. No emissions, yani. Okay, so his wudu is not broken. Because he said that the, uh, the hair has its own separate ruling. So just as if he had touched her khimar, meaning her headscarf, okay, uh, even if he had desire and it would not break his wudu, likewise the hair, because it is hukum al munfasil. There's no life in it, and that's the point to understand here. Okay, that the human, uh, the body, not just the human body. Actually, this ruling is an important ruling which is taken from animals. Okay, we understand this ruling from the fiqh of animals, meaning that we know that the Prophet ﷺ, for example, told us to shear sheep. All right and to use the wool and fur from animals. And for example, for sheep, right? When you take off the fur, it can be benefited from whilst the animal is still alive, which is an evidence that it is separate to, for example, it's not permissible to cut off its leg and use it whilst the animal is still alive. Because the leg is part of the uh, uh, animal itself is a living organ, a living part of the animal. This would come into a haram action, etc. But to take the hair off, you would be able to do that. It's like an extra product, separate ruling, separate kind of reality, and, the, and permissible to use as per a hadith of the Prophet. So, therefore, all of the things that we're going to mention now hair, fingernails, and so on these are all uh, uh, separate uh, 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 individual parts 
which do not have walahiyat fi, they do not have life in it. And therefore, therefore, when one touches that, it cannot then be considered in the same ruling. He goes, wadhufur, meaning the uh, uh, nails. So if a person wants to touch the nails of another person, like a woman, it does not, uh, <laughs> does not break the wudu. He goes, regardless of how long or short the nails are. Regardless of how long or short the nails are. He goes, likewise, teeth. So this could be interesting for you, Shaz. Okay? Yeah? Because obviously we're always looking to and help our brothers out in their professions. Isn't it, Bobs? Yeah? And Shazad, mashallah, he, he doesn't just restrict his work to men, isn't it? Mashallah, he wants to help so many women uh, because he's a good public servant like that. Mashallah. So I just want to say, Shaz, <laughs> that when you're working on these women's mouths and you're working on their teeth, yeah? Try and hold it together. Okay? But don't go too extreme. Don't say to the person, I need to go and put on my gardening gloves or something like that. Like, you don't need to, like, stress too much. Just get involved and just do what you do because I know. Because firstly, we wear gloves when we see patients. Okay. We'll be, you know, in big trouble. Oh, right. We never had this issue where I because we always have gloves on. Okay, why a big trouble, Shaz? Cross-infection. Oh, infection, okay, I thought it was some other kind of trouble. <laughs> Obviously, pharmacists don't know about cross-infection. No, no, pharmacists are skin, yeah, they're just... Exactly. Well, no problem, yeah, we're simple people, yeah. Right then, so he goes that if a man was to to wipe or touch the teeth of his of another woman, or actually he says his woman, uh, with a desire, then the wudu would not be uh, 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 broken uh, because they are... Uh, and this is interesting, Shaz. This is actually on a serious note now. Yeah? They are individual. They have a separate ruling of separateness. And they don't have life in it. And they have no feeling. Which is not true. They have a nerve supply. They have a blood supply. And you know very well they have feeling. They have feeling. Oh my God, they have feeling. They have feeling. That's not an emotive state. That's not a state of emotion. Meaning, I've been hurt by this guy. He enjoys, you know, doing stuff with my teeth and I'm screaming my brains out and he's, you know, just just cursing and cussing me and this and that. Unlike his mother, I'm always comparing with, you know, those people who always, you know, I have, I, have, I have a reverse situation. Do you remember when your mom used to always c compare you to a guy? You know, that that other guy, huh? Oh, you see this, that. And he's such a nice bacha, such a this, that, whatever. And he's so much Quran he memorized. And yeah, and blah, blah, blah. I have a reverse situation. You normally expect that from your mom. Oh, guess what, Shaz? I didn't press the record button. Oh, my dad, yeah? Yeah? Oh, sorry. That's his fault. What's he doing while sitting over there? Just tell me that. Now, seriously, why are you sitting on one million miles over there? This is your responsibility. So. So normally it's your mom comparing you to some pack, yeah? And you're getting cussed and you get angry and you think, you know what? So obviously you then say, yeah, so why don't you go and take him as a son then? <laughs> anyway, I've got this pack who has flipped the script and comparing me to my mom. Think about that for a second. Is your mom normally comparing you to some guy? My mom's always yani, comparing. If you were like Shazad, he's such a nice guy, he's this, that. My mum's always going on, Shazad this, Shazad that. Sick to death of Shazad I am. 
honest to God all the time. Take Shazad this, take Shazad that, buy him a gift. If you go away, make sure you come back with a gift. What? Yeah, class. <laughs> completely ignore. Completely ignore. It's like speak to the hand, mom. Not interested. Okay. And it's like this two-way kind of partnership because when I'm there, he's going, "Shut up! Your mom never says anything. Your mom's stronger than you look. Your mom, when I said give her anaesthetic, she said no, no, but I'll go ahead do it anyway." <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation like that when you get compared to your mom? Gosh, I'm unbelievable. Anyway, anyway. Um, Sheikh uh, 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 Uthameen quotes Ibn Aqil and we talked about Ibn Aqil a couple of weeks ago and so go back and, and refer to your notes on who Ibn Aqil was the famous Imam of the Hanabila he said if you guys say he's having like a random discussion he, gave, he goes if you guys say that these three things don't have any life in them okay these three things don't have any life in them we're talking about the tooth the nail and the hair then also say that also say that the limb which has been severed he's now referring to a discussion amongst the the uh, Shafi'is basically and Hanbalis you know having a bit of a kickoff here right he's saying you guys say that when you touch an amputated limb that if that breaks the wudu if it's from the other sex and so on and so forth and he goes, how's that got any life in it when it's been detached and it's finished? He goes, you've got to be consistent. This is a proof that you are saying, for one thing, that these three things don't break with all. Even there's desire, but because there's no life in it. So then how on earth are you saying that this detached whatever that you might pick up, this is a hypothetical situation, of course, and you pick up that breaks with all, that doesn't have life in it either. So it's just a separate point that he is talking about. Now, the next thing is a pubescent boy. Now, I'm going to tell you now, right, that I did not know how to translate this word. And I left it like this, and I thought that we would uh, discuss it, and I would explain it, and then we'd come up with our own explanation. Amrad, the word is in Arabic. Amrad, okay? Now, the word Amrad, um, Sheikh Uthameen says, the Amrad is the one who... Mustache has just started, okay, but his beard has not. Yani meaning young boy, like teenager, pre or just pubescent kind of. This is the kind of age or the kind of whatever. And the idea, the idea is, you know, that kind of in culture that you got that kind of youth, that like youth. <laughs> that really helped, didn't it? That youth, like that youth. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of the example. From a movie kind of example, you're, you're talking about the kind of guy who serves the, uh, the Romans and the Greeks. He come a very handsome young boy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah? What would you call that, Yanni? What would you, what would you call that? A slave. <laughs> no, no. Let's not get political, brother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? <laughs> No, no, just we're talking physical, yani, physically. What, what, do, what do you call that? A hairless boy? It's something like that, isn't it? You know that there's, like, what I'm describing is that there's, a, there's a, a, an age where a boy is turning from child into teen. 
stepping into puberty and he's still handsome. Then, yani, of course, then everything starts going wrong. You know, then obviously his hair starts coming, spots start coming, grease starts coming. So just before then, you've got this age where the boy looks thingy. Now, obviously, if you're perverted of mind, then these are obviously prime material for pedophiles. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, that's the kind of age that pedophiles are looking at, obviously. And, and that's, the, that's the whole point here. That's the whole point of the discussion here. Um, and, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and he, I, I want you to know that it doesn't, it's not technically linked to Bulugh, to actual pubet, puberty itself. That's why I didn't like translating it as pubescent boy, but I think that is the perfect translation. It is the boy who's uh, literally going through or about to go through. He's like at that... Where he's not prepubescent because that would just indicate a child. There is something that he is more than just a child. There is a... There, yeah, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's a minefield talking about that. Because how do you talk about that in any kind of, you know, uh, politically... Yeah, in a correct way. Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti, he said, it's Al-Amrad huwa ladhi la sha'ar lahu. He's the guy who has no hair. Uh, no facial hair, I mean. Yeah? He's the, he's the boy who has no facial hair. He said, Al-Farra, meaning from the grammarians, he said, Al-Amrad fi kilam al-Arab, al-ladhi khaddahu he said in the in the language of the Arabs, when we use the word Amrad, we're talking about a boy whose cheeks not a boy, a person whose cheeks has no hair on them. When hair comes, it starts here, right? Oh mustache just right, yeah, mustache first. Then it's not on the cheeks, is it? Under the chin, isn't it? I think it's under the chin. Um, he goes, this word marad or amrad comes from the word, the shajara, the, the marda tree, meaning a tree which loses all its leaves. So you've got a tree and all of its leaves fall off and it becomes like, you know, like, uh, what do they call it? What do they call a tree when it loses all its leaves? Leafless? Bear. Yeah? Bear. Um, and of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, let's see, bonus mark yani for anyone who can work this out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّهُ صَرْحٌ مُمَرَّدٌ Yes? مِنْ قَوَارِيرٌ Who said that? And what is that referring to? Anyone? It is a sarhun mumarrad min qawarir. Yes, it is, but here it means something else. What does that actually mean? Who said that? First of all, who said that? And then secondly, what does it mean? It's easy to work this out. Okay, clue is the clue is Sayyidina Sulaiman alayhi salam. 
That's a massive clue, by the way. I mean, that's like, you know, just giving the whole thing away. Come on, let's get saved by the sisters, man. The brothers are, uh, I don't know. They're going to sleep today. Anyone? No? No. So, we know the story of the jinn and the ifrit of Suleiman salam. Okay? When he had this conversation with who? Queen? Sheba. Okay? As we say in English. Yeah? What happened? What was, what did she do? After the throne, what did she do? Coveted. Yes. Okay. And what did she see? And what was her reaction? Uh huh. And the water? What did she call the water? Sarhum. Yes. What did she do? She picked up her dress. She pulled it like this. You know, like you do, in order to what? To walk across it. Okay, because she thought it was water and she'd get wet. When she stepped onto it, it was glass. This is exactly what she said. This is yani ajib. This is, it looks like yani water, a sarh, it looks like yani an ocean or a sea or an expanse of water, clear water. In actual fact, it is pure, crystal, clear, smooth, that's now mumarrad being used now, glass. Yeah? Subhanallah, I saw a picture of it the other day, uh, of something exactly the same. Slovakia? Or Romania? Or Slovakia? It was it Slovakia, the two hikers? The YouTube video, you seen it? Who's? Walid Walid Abdul Hakim. Yeah, must have shared. That's right. I think I think I think I saw it on an on a news site before before he shared it. Um, but basically, two Slovakian guys were you know trekking through the hills or whatever, and they come to this uh, well an ice lake. I'm telling you now, they recorded it all. It is like there's nothing there. It's completely completely transparent. And they're walking on it, and it's like proper freaky. I mean, you can see the stones at the bottom of the lake, and it is absolutely clear. Not like any kind of blemish in the ice. I don't even know how that works, actually. I don't even know how that's possible. But obviously it is, and they record it, and it obviously went viral. That was about, about a week ago. So anyway, so this Quran, this lafaz is a Quranic uh, word as well, referring to something incredibly... Uh, uh, smooth. Anyway, back to the point. The idea is that if a person was to touch a boy, okay, in this uh, area, then th this would not break wudu. Why is this being discussed? It's being discussed because touching a boy should not be mahal shahwa. It should not be a place where one's sexual desire is increased. All right, and therefore the humbly position is is that it doesn't matter touching that one even though they are incredibly handsome and well, that's the idea here they're smooth and beautiful to look at then they are uh but touching this boy would not break the wudu okay and reason for that is because 
this is requires an evidence and there's no evidence and that is the position of the Hanbali madhab i want you to know that sheikh uthameen and correctly so okay uh, and obviously obviously allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, 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 tells us about the the dangers of homosexuality okay and that is why in the verses of, of Surah Shura, for example, verse 165 to 166, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it very, very clear that you are uh, you are approaching men from all this world that I've created, uh, referring to, speaking to the men, that out of everything that I have created for you, there's a massive, huge universe that it is the men that you are approaching and so on and so forth homosexuality of course is completely prohibited and therefore why on earth would you try to get sexual excitement from a boy who has uh, who's of this age even though he looks attractive and so on and so forth okay so the uh, uh, man has not been created for man and he goes, just like you would touch a man, you should not have sexual desire. Just like if you had a three-month-old baby daughter and you stroke her as much as you want, there should be no sexual desire. Allah did not create the child in this manner and neither did human being to feel that. And likewise, man was not created to be touched by another man and also sexual desire to be achieved. Therefore, the humbly madhab is, if you do touch such a person, the, the wudu is not broken. The wudu is not broken, yeah? Because it goes against the fitra. Is that clear? Obviously, this is a very weak statement and an incredibly weak position because it does not take account of the deviancy of the human being. And human beings are deviant. And um, as Sheikh Uthameen says, that if we were to say that the wudu is broken, if you touch a woman with, with desire... <coughs> then what on earth is the difference then if you touch X or desire or Y of desire? The issue is desire. And so therefore, if anyone was to touch a boy with desire or a baby with desire, if they were a pedophile or X or Y or whatever, then the very minimal uh, yani reality is that they break their wudu. And of course, then all the sharia punishments that would then follow on top of that. Okay? On top of that. Um, and then Sheikh Uthameen, then he goes... And he goes, and I tell you what, 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 what Sheikh Uthameen then also mentions. He says, and if you look at, and you write these references down so you can look at later, because we're getting on a bit, okay? If you look at Surah Hud, uh, verse 79, for example, uh, when the people of Lut came to him, and they said to him, and he said, and he said, these are my daughters, okay, they are purer for you. All right, they are pure, pure for you to have relations with than what you're currently doing. Uh, they said that we know, and so do you. What is the? Uh, we know actually uh, what is available for us with respect to your daughters, but you also know what we want. And what they were talking about, as Sheikh uh, Uthameen says, is that. The angels that were coming, that were there in the surah of boys. Okay, meaning that the angels that were there at the time that were about to bring that adab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent them in the form of young boys, shabab. 
And so therefore, and as I said before, they are much more handsome and, and so on and so forth. Okay? And so therefore, and therefore, yani without getting too kind of astray, um, for going uh, yani, uh, different ways, the correct position is, is that the touching of a, po a, pub a, pub a pubescent boy, and I think I'll stick to pubescent boy to be honest. I think we'll stick to that in the translation. The touching of a pubescent boy is like the touching of a woman, like touching of anything else. And um, if a person uh, wants to touch them with desire, then the wudu is broken. And likewise, some of the ulama said that even the looking to, or to uh, looking at such a boy, if it elicits any kind of sexual feeling, whether from a girl, from a woman, or from a man, then also ghadul basar, lowering the gaze, applies to them as well. So the ruling of lowering the gaze applies to them as well. Sheikh al-Islam, he said, Ibn Taymiyyah, he said, it is not permissible to be alone with a pubescent boy. It is not permissible to be alone. The khalwa is not permissible with a amrad. Allahu Akbar, if we applied this today, just how much khair would be, yani, uh, how much evil would be, would be prevent? He said, even if it is on the intention of teaching. And you know how many of these boys have been abused in this country and in our culture back home in the sub-Asian uh, continent, okay, South Asian. Then you will see that this happens all the time, all the time. And I remember some very high-profile cases in this country, especially from back down in East London and, and then in you know other areas, and all over actually, uh, this happens. Sheikh Hussain Taymiyyah is telling us back then, not permissible to be alone with a pubescent boy, even if you are teaching him. Because of the, the issue of desire, the risk of anything that would happen. And, he, and I continue, continuing the quote, he said, because shaitan flows through the human being, like the blood does, and how many, how many of the, how many people have, have, how many people have yani, fallen into this fatality, yani, into this disaster? And they become basically footmen of the shaitan and his, and, and, and his desires. Um, and it's, it's a basic, it's a warning, it's a warning. And then, um, and then uh, 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 back to that, uh, issue uh, or a or or a barrier or uses a barrier. Yes, what we're talking about there, we're talking about gloves. Okay, because al mess and al lems is all about skin to skin contact. The whole issue is about skin to skin contact. I tell you something which is interesting, um, and that's why I'm a bit upset for Shazad that some of the scholars they said the condition of that glove is that it's not possible to feel heat through it now that little latex mesquine yeah that you're wearing yeah i know that you're feeling all that heat brother alhamdulillah alhamdulillah we have other scholars it's true it's good it's only he said, It's only some of the ulama. They said, This is one of the conditions of the gloves. Okay? Um, and then, uh, finally, or if one's body is touched with sexual desire. Okay? 
يعني ولا ينتقد وضوء ملموس ببدنه فلو ان امراه مثلا اوكي بيسكلي ذيس از ا فيري سترينج بوزيشن اورايت اف وانز بودي از تاتش وذ سكشوال ديزاير ذا ايديا هير از ذير از ا وومن اند ا مان ذات تاتشز هير وذ ديزاير هيز اكوردنج تو ذا هامبليز هيز وذو بريكس يس بت فور هير نوثينج هابنز فور هير فور هير نوثينج هابنز اوكي ولو وجد منه شهوه اي دونت ثينك ذاتس كلير ان ذا ترانسليشن از ات even if uh yani for example sheikh i don't i don't think i this this is not uh, you know i made a mistake here to be honest all right in this translation how do you read that last sentence or if one's body is touched with sexual desire how do you understand that yes possible correct that that is right that's there what's the next meaning or what's another re- uh, meaning do you read anything else into that sheikh with the means says for example there's a young man and he kisses his wife she's also young i like the way that he emphasizes the youngness as flak yani old bude have no desires right okay shabun qabla zawjata wa hiya shabatun kama Okay. وهي كذلك بشهوة فيجب عليه الوضوء ولا يجب عليها مع أن العلة واحدة ولهذا كان القول الصحيح مثلا الملموس إذا وجد منه شهوة انتقد الوضوء القول بأن الملموس انتقد الوضوء يعني basically listen I, I, think, I think the translation is not very good what I want to say is that if a, the boy or the girl the one that's been touched got touched and they felt desire but they did not indi- they did not initiate the action according to the hanbalis wudu is not broken okay sheikh uthaymin says listen i don't care anyway sheikh uthaymin is saying i don't care anyway but if you're going to say that the body when it's touched with desire breaks wudu then without doubt touching a person and they then feeling desire that breaks their wudu as well is that clear everybody i think it's really straightforward he goes there's no doubt about that if you are true humbly and saying that it's about desire then it doesn't matter whether you're doing the touching or being touched your wudu breaks as well he goes for me he goes it's not an issue because it doesn't matter okay desire and everything is not a problem it's about actual something that breaks wudu that i'm just, i'm watching out for other than that no interested but according to the hanbalis that's what it should be and that's why he then quotes uh, al-muwaffaq who's muwaffaq who is al-muwaffaq al-muwaffaq is ibn qudama okay al-maqdisi the imam of the hanbali madhhab he says any human any all humans if one touches one another okay and there is some kind of if two humans touch one another and there is a, a hadith meaning the wudu is broken of one person the wudu is broken of both he says fa inna at-tahara tajibu ala al-lamis wal-malmus kal khitanayn fihi mujama' wa mujami' إذا التقى الختانان بدون إنزال منهما وجب الغسل عليهما جميعا. Very interesting. Because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we know that actual when when the two circumcised parts touch meet, okay? This is something which obligates what? 
غسل غسل okay two circumcised parts meet referring to the private parts of the man and woman we know that غسل becomes obligatory he is saying that if these if this is the reality okay it doesn't matter if one was to be for example um emit sexual fluid one of them the other one would also have to make wudu the ghusl the other one would have to also uh, make a ghusl and so therefore he says that muwaffaq his position is different to the official humbly position and that is the correct position sheikh uthamin is saying this is the correct position mabniyun based upon the fact that or based upon the principle that you believe that desire is the problem if you don't believe desire is the issue then it's not a problem so conclusion is is that this position here is a strange one if one's body is touched with sexual desire so therefore uh, um, the correct position is that if a person touches another one and there is desire there as long as that desire that sexual feeling is there both people's although is broken it doesn't matter if they didn't initiate it and that therefore completes our lesson and all of the the first the first six points inshallah and then next week we will then move on to something which is very interesting which is the washing of the dead body the washing of the dead body and what the reality behind that is very interesting discussion that okay um so that's that Did that make more sense yeah everyone's okay with that any questions then on that yes 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 the, to the class position, that last paragraph doesn't matter. Not the last paragraph, the last, yeah, the last set, the last statement doesn't matter because according to the class position, desire itself is not enough. Desire is something which can be controlled. You know, when you study this more, when Aisha radiallahu anha was asked about his kissing of his wives, and the fact that he was able to then go um, and still pray and so on. She said he can amlek Yani he 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 was more what? Yeah, he could control his desire better than all of you. So it shows that desire has some parameters and that there is an initial kind of maybe level which is okay, but then when it goes beyond that, then you're going to kind of like a danger zone. And human beings are basically all the same in that danger zone, whereas the Prophet ﷺ, being the Prophet ﷺ, is more in control. And so the idea is, according to Shaykh Uthameen, that it's not about desire, it's about actually something happening, something that could happen very easily, something that couldn't happen at all, and therefore we can't put them all into the same kind of bracket. It should be based upon a consequence, something happening that actually breaks the wudu. That according to his class position, according to the class position and Shaykh Uthameen's position, it's not the humbly position at all. They do seem all over the place. Ibn Aqil also tells them that. Uh, Ibn Qudama also tells them that. There are contradictions. If you study this issue well enough, you will see contradictions in their own positions. You will, especially this last statement. This last statement contradicts their original statement about desire. If you're going to focus on desire, then of course the woman who's getting touched, it shouldn't matter who touches who or who started it, whatever. If desire is there in the story. And that's what Shaykh Uthameen, he pulls them up on it. He says, if you're going to stick to that principle, then you're wrong. And you've got to stick to that principle and say that this also breaks wudu. Me though, I don't care because it doesn't break wudu. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that's important to understand in this issue. Yes, any further? Yeah. According to the position where the touch with Shaykh breaks wudu, 
Yes. So what, what if we take touch out of the equation, that's going to have like sexual fantasy. Yeah. Uh, okay. According to the Hanabila? Yeah. Well, I don't know according to the Hanabila. There is, 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 there which is eliciting desire, but there's nothing emitted, for example, that actually physically breaks a wudu, does that break the uh, wudu as well? Okay? Does that break the wudu as well? I don't know what the humbly position is on that. Okay? I need to research that. According to my position though, and I, I know what Sheikh Adamin's position is, I know that already, but according to my position, it does not break the wudu. According to my position, it does not break the wudu. You might say, yeah, but your position is, is that you make wudu in on that principle I said last week that I have I slightly differ with that position I take the more safer one and I, I agree with Sheikh Uthameen in principle that desire itself is not a uh, is not, not a problem here touching the woman is not a problem here I, I, I'm, I'm saying that if you look at all of the ahadith there does seem to be something extra and above a thought when it comes to touching there are a number of weak hadith most of them are all weak but touching a woman just touching a woman has a number of problems with it. Um, when, for example, the, the shaking of hands and the ahadith on that matter, the other ahadith talking about various things, most of them are weak. Most of these hadith, when you do proper study of them, they are weak. But still, there's such a large material there, which seems to be making a differentiation between just touching and uh, 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 touching and desire and just someone sitting there thinking about desirous things so but anyway position is it doesn't break with all humbleys I don't know yeah any sisters anything online what's the ruling of a stepfather being alone with a pubescent boy is, it, is this permissible <sighs> yes that's permissible you're doubting matter, then does this still have influence the outcome? E.g., if you're 90% sure you're broken with all, but some doubt remains. 90% sure is like, what's that? Yeah? If you're 90% sure and then you still have doubt? Khalas, <laughs> man. Islam Sheikh, I heard from Rashi, Sheikh said there's no Sahih Hadith saying the punishment of the Gayak is tough with punishment. No Sahih Hadith? Mm -hmm. That that's not a uh, 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 that's not entirely wrong. Yeah, there is yani, some basis to that. The ahadith from the Prophet sallam, on the issue of the punishment is not, and that's why. See, look at the look at the accuracy of Sheikh Hussein bin Taymiyyah. He said the companions agreed. He didn't say it was a sunnah. He didn't say there was a hadith, whatever. The companions agreed. Ibn Taymiyyah, you study his wor words. If you just study one sentence, it's like and Sheikh Hilan told us uh, this. Then, if you remember that, Shaz, a long time ago, Sheikh uh, 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 Ibn Taymiyyah will make one one sentence line, one line, and it's a person's like three year study. It's like you know you'd study and study and study and study, and you'd come up with a conclusion line, and that's one of his sentences on like pages that he's writing. Just make a throwaway statement. And if you go back and look at that statement and you look at it and think about it, 
you'll actually realize that so much went into that single sentence. So just like there, for example, you know, he said the companions have uh, agreed. They just differed on the manner of the way that the punishment will be meted out. That's a, a summing of so much knowledge. And yes, so it is an argument which is acceptable uh, that there is no authentic hadith. There's discussion in it, but yeah, it's acceptable to make the argument. No, that's enough then. If it's out of the subject, then that's enough. We've already yeah. killed ourselves today okay. uh, in terms of arguments and whatever, whatnot. Jazakumullah khair, everybody. Barakallahu feek. Uh, it's a nice yani, gathering, alhamdulillah. And uh, this is for thinking, sah? So we have got some nice dates, mashallah. Not nice dates, the ajwa dates. Okay, bought from our... No, no, I'm not here to make you jealous because they, should, they love for their brothers but they love for themselves. Okay, so we just wanted to let you know that this is the yani, so we should love us for. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, ilaha illa 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 illa